Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And welcome back to the Lisa Wexler show. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of Lisa on the law. We'll give you an opportunity to call in today. Um, and I'll do my best. And if I can't answer it, I'll look it up. 203-333-9422. I'm pretty good at looking things up. But we do have one person who wrote in, right, Justin? We do. Go ahead. Uh, we have uh, Jennifer from Stratford. And she asks, my father just died without a will. What do I do? Okay, so I'm going to assume, and with the fancy word for that is to die intestate, I-N-T-E-S-T-A-T, without a will. I'm going to assume the father died in Connecticut. Jennifer, I wish you would have called in. It's so much better and easier if I could ask you questions at 203-333-9422 to flesh this out. But essentially, if somebody dies without a will, we have a statute in Connecticut, and you could look it up in Connecticut General Statutes, and I don't need to give you the site right now because you're going to end up looking it up on Google anyway. The bottom line is if you die without a will, the state will decide who gets your property based on your next of kin. And that is literally a legal term, your next of kin. And your next of kin are decided by the order that the state decided for you. So, and it gets a little complicated. So let's say you die, in this case as a father, let's say the father died with a wife and children. And the children were the children of the father and the wife, as opposed to a second marriage, different children. Does it make a difference? Yes. So I told you, it gets a little wobbly wiggly here. But here's the way it goes, Jennifer. Let's assume it was your mother and father. I'm sorry. I send you my condolences. And um, your dad passed away. And now your mother is left and you and your sister are alive. Your father's estate would go this way. The first $100,000 straight out off the top to your mom. Then the rest of the estate is divided into 50-50. The first 50% goes to your mom. The next 50% is equally divided among children. That's what it means to die intestate. It means that the state will decide who gets your property. And then let's say it happens that somebody dies and they don't have a spouse. They have no significant other, but they have children. Well, then their entire estate gets divided among their children, right? Let's say they die without a spouse and without children, but they have parents. The estate goes to their parents. 
Let's say they die without children, but they have a spouse and parents. Believe it or not, the parents get 25%. The spouse gets 75%. Yes, you probably didn't know that. Right. Most people think the wife would get the whole thing. Not true. Then if parents are still alive, what happens if they have no parents, no spouse, no children? We go to sisters and brothers, right? We go to sisters and brothers. The sisters and brothers get it. But what if, what if one of the sisters has already passed and leaves a couple of nieces? What happens to those nieces? Do they get disinherited and the other brothers and sisters get the whole thing? No, no. We have something called a right of representation in Connecticut. It's called per sterpes, a right of representation. And on that level of siblings, if one of the siblings has passed but leaves nieces and nephews, those nieces and nephews share the share. They, they divide the share that their parent would have gotten who was the sibling. And it goes on and on. I mean, it goes to first cousins. It goes to this. It goes to that. The very, very last, last, last on the chain are stepchildren. Believe it or not, in Connecticut, stepchildren can inherit, but that's if nobody else is around. What we try and avoid, this state and others, we try and avoid where the property escheats to the state. It's spelled E-S-C-H-E-A-T-S. Estate cheating, right? Escheats. And we, we try and stop that because we don't want people's property going to the state if we can at all help it, if somebody has family. But there are people that die without no family and without no will, and the state will get your property in short. So if you're somebody who does not have any family, and I mean any family, first cousins, you know, anybody, uh, and you have property, you better make sure you do a will. Because otherwise, it's going to Uncle Sam. And that's where it's going. It's actually not going to Uncle Sam. It's going to the people of the state of Connecticut. That's where it's going. It's going to Uncle Ned. That's where it's going. Uh, And so um, my suggestion is if you want to make sure that this does not happen to the things that you have acquired, the money, the property, that you make out a will or in the alternative of making out a will, You make sure that all of your property is already specifically assigned to somebody else for after you die. And we've spoken about this many times, but if you own some property jointly with someone, then by operation of law, when you pass, it automatically goes to them. If you have a bank account that's called TOD, transfer on death, then when you die, that bank account goes to them. If you have an IRA and you've designated a beneficiary, or a life insurance policy and you've designated a beneficiary, it will automatically go to them. Even cars, by the way, the DMV started this years ago. On the back of your car title, look at it. You can actually designate for somebody else to have your car when you die. And that's a really good thing to do because a lot of people forget about their cars and sometimes it's the only probatable asset and it's a pain in the neck for the relatives to have to come in and take care of that just for a car. So you can do it with a car too. So that's my answer. So to die intestate is not the end of the world. You have to come in with a petition, a PC 200 to the probate court. You have to have a fiduciary appointed. Uh, The fiduciary has not been named because there is no will. So typically the court will want to appoint a fiduciary if they can, uh, who is somebody in the family, because then it doesn't cost the estate any money. The law in Connecticut does require that for intestate estates, 
that there be a bond, an insurance policy put up for the liquid value of the estate. So in other words, houses can't run away. So typically probate courts won't bond them. But if someone has a $100,000 bank account, they're going to make sure that the fiduciary has a bond in $100,000 in the amount of $100,000 so that if the fiduciary runs away with $100,000, the other beneficiaries can get paid. So there are things about an intestate estate in Connecticut that they're not hard, but it requires you to go to the probate court, file your petition, make sure it includes a death certificate, uh, it, it, the, the petition itself has you set forth who the next of kin are. It has you set forth your approximate. It doesn't have to be by any means specific ballpark thing of what you think the estate is worth. And then you suggest who would be willing from the family to sign up to be the fiduciary, to be able to be in this role. And you accept that position. If there is nobody, and that happens a lot too, the court will find an experienced practitioner of law who knows about estates or will find some other professional who knows how to do this and they will appoint that person. That person will charge an hourly fee to do the work, to assemble, marshal the assets of the estate, pay creditors, and then ultimately pay the next of kin. And that's the way it works. So don't panic. Don't panic. It is much more common than you think to be intestate. It happens all the time. And uh, one of the things that the administrator will have to do. By the way, if you see somebody called an administrator as opposed to an executor, it means that that person either didn't have a will or the executor for whatever reason couldn't serve. But an administrator always means a court appointed fiduciary versus an executor who is technically appointed by the court, but who has been named by the decedent. And you see how I can easily get into the weeds here. So you asked and I'm answering. Not overly complicated. Believe me, not. You just have to take it one step at a time. And always, you can always get the assistance of a lawyer or you can call our probate courts and the clerks are very, very happy, ready, willing, and able to walk you through the process. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Yes. Valerie from Derby. Hi, Valerie. Welcome to the show. Hello. My uh, question was about um, estates and wills. Sure. Uh, if if you appoint a friend or a friend's child mm-hmm. to be your executor, um, is that legal? Definitely. And all right. And can they charge the estate a fee for the work because it it is work? Yes, and they should. Okay. And they and should. Do you want me there, to tell you uh, about that? Sure. Sure. Okay. So Connecticut is one of the states that does not set a fee 
which is a percentage of the overall gross taxable estate, as opposed to many okay. states like New York and Florida, which do. In Florida, it's 3%. In New York, it's a sliding scale. It begins at 5 and then it goes down, depending on how big the estate is. But Connecticut doesn't do that. We have criteria okay. uh, that all goes to whether or not a fee is reasonable. And the way the courts have mostly interpreted this recently, and it's more or less a rule of thumb, is depending upon the complicated nature of the estate, how long it takes to wrap it up, what the issues were that were facing the executor, uh, usually courts will allow a reasonable hourly fee based upon how many hours it took for the person to do the work. And I always tell my fiduciaries, which is sort of the big word for people like this, executors, administrators, I always tell them to keep a diary of time. And then they can look back at the time and look back on what they did and more or less assess a reasonable hourly number for their work and come up with the fee. And if I think it's reasonable, I will grant it to them. Probate judges have a duty, a duty to to decide the reasonableness of all executor fees. So even if there's no. um, So let's say your estate is worth a million dollars. And the fee comes in at 25000 which is 2.5%, yes. which isn't so terrible, right? 2.5% is pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That may or may not be okay for a judge. A judge may look at it and say, they really didn't have to do anything here. It was a million-dollar estate, but not really because um, it was a million-dollar taxable estate, but everything went to an IRA, and so what did they really have to do? The probatable estate was, you know, 50 bucks. So I don't know that I'm going to allow a $25,000 fee or something like that. I mean, they could. But usually 2 to 3% is okay. A lot of judges will go up to 5% before they bat an eye. But over 5% is sort of a red line where they'll take a real look at it. Um, and again, I'm using percentages. But what I'm trying to tell you is in Connecticut, percentages are not They're not favored, per se. If you come to a judge and say, I want a flat fee percentage of this estate, judges will not approve it. It has to be something that is reasonable. It has to be something reasonable, okay? And it's perfectly okay to appoint your friend and or your friend's daughter. And you should have a successor. If your friend can't do it, then your friend's daughter. You have to have that. All right. And and the fee is also applicable if it's a family member that um, is the executor? Definitely, yes, but a lot of time family members waive the fee, but they don't have to, and sometimes they shouldn't, particularly if it's one family member doing all the work for everybody else. I understand. And I, I, like, giving, I like giving people fiduciary fees. It's very hard to do this work, Valerie. It's very hard yes. to gather up somebody else's life and organize it and make sense of it. It's a lot of responsibility. It's personal liability if you screw up. And I think people deserve a fee. I do as well. And you are a very just and wise person. And I appreciate everything that you do for all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. Thanks. And get that will done. Everybody should have a will if they have stuff. Thank you. You're right. Thank you so much. Sure. All right. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 